Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live from the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me is John Duke. And the Celtics finally, it seems, have their groove somewhat back. A little bit of a struggle in game two of a home and home against the Detroit Pistons, or I should say away and home. <laughs> Depends on how you look at it, but in a way and home. And the looks like Kyrie Irving may be back. That's exciting. Uh, great, great couple of games. They leapfrog a previously undefeated team in the standings. That's right. Detroit was four and zero, and then they ran into the buzzsaw Boston Celtics getting uh, contributions from everywhere. Everybody on the team really kind of nice. I know we got an injury to deal with again. So we'll talk about that as one big man comes back. Another one goes out. We'll get to that, but we also set up a mailbag for this uh, week's episode. And so before we get to all those things, and I know some of them are going to leak into our answers to these questions, John, but why don't we kick it off with a Twitter mailbag? Nice to see the Celtics back on track, though. Yeah, great to great to see things kind of where we thought they would be. You know, I thought, you know, after this week, it kind of feels like we're kind of getting that equilibrium. Water is finding its level, you know, and that that's just nice to see. You know, it's really frustrating start to the season. So I think the Celtics finally kind of getting themselves, find their identity. I think that was the most frustrating thing. It wasn't so much the missed shots. It wasn't even so much, you know, the losses. It was just that they weren't playing as themselves. I think that was probably the hardest thing to watch. And now we've seen over the last week or so, even in the loss, I think, to Orlando, kind of the start of that, uh, and, and the horrendous first half against Oklahoma City, they started to see, they started to find that themselves, which I, you know, I think that's what we're just, we're looking for. Win or lose, uh, you know, a game against Detroit here, the second game against Detroit, probably not the best game of the year, probably one of the more uglier games to watch. But well, especially at the beginning like of the fourth quarter, like, geez. Can't even buy a bucket. I think it was near six minutes. Might have even crossed over six minutes, but major drought in the fourth. They build a couple of double digit leads. Can't hold on to them. I will say it seemed like Hayward had come back a lot faster than Kyrie, but that second game, uh, in Detroit and happy Halloween, everybody, by the way, by the time you're listening to this, it will be Halloween and scary Terry's holiday. I think we can just go ahead and say that that's his day, but, uh, it hasn't been his week necessarily. I haven't seen him quite as hot as of late, but Kyrie definitely finding his groove again. And that that's probably one of the most important aspects of the developments of the last week is there's no doubt his handle was starting to come back, but he had a couple of baseline moves. He had a nice little bank shot. And I also in that game was excited to see the Celtics, you know, kind of take it to the rim when they weren't getting those buckets, because they kind of live and die by the three. They fall in love with it for stretches of the game. And even after that six-minute drought, um, they kind of got their act together. I know Jalen wound up hitting what I would consider to be the clinching three-pointer late in the fourth, but at the same time, they did go and got closer to the basket. Even Mook passed up a three, took a couple of steps inside, switched it. That's what they need to do. They can't be so transparent at the close of games that they're going to stand around outside and shoot shoot buckets and try to put it away that way. They've got to be more aggressive to the hoop, and it was nice to see them do it. 
Well, I think that's the biggest change probably over the last week too has been paint touches. I mean, just getting to the paint, creating the, you know, causing the defense to collapse and then getting open three pointers. In the early part of the season, it was pass around the, the, you know, the three point arc and try to, you know, okay, your turn, now your turn, now your turn, as opposed to, you know, create something off your dribble and create a shot for somebody else. And I think we see that now with regularity, particularly the last two, three games, that the Celtics have been able to to do that. And they have the, the, the playmakers and they have the shooters who can make someone pay for that. So in the early going, they weren't making their shots. And some of those were open shots, true, but they were long twos. Now they're getting wide open threes. And I think you're seeing, you know, even the numbers – being, you know, the team was one of the worst, you know, three-point sh- shooting teams in the league. They're, you know, they're now up to 21st in three-point percentage before tonight's game. And so, and there's, and they're shooting three-pointers at, at 12th in the league rate again before tonight's game. So they're making strides in that regard. They're getting better looks. They're getting the looks that they want and they're creating looks for each other. And I think you're right. Kyrie tonight really was the first time it felt like he had all of his mojo going. He got the haircut. He looked good. He looked sharp. The beard was trimmed. The dude was ready to fire. And it was, it was just so awesome to see. And everything just kind of falls in its place. And you see, even Jalen Brown had a really tough start to the season. And now playing off of what Kyrie's doing, he gets going in that second half and scores, I think, six of his last ten, of seven. So yeah, and he was that struggling. That was really needed. He was struggling in the game. I still feel like defensively the officials aren't giving him the benefit of a lot of calls. Clearly Detroit complained about the defense that was played on Blake Griffin in the first game of this two-game set, and there were adjustments made. He was getting away with hooking. I know Tommy talked about it a lot during the broadcast, but definitely – uh, did not give Jalen Brown the benefit and really haven't seen Jalen get the benefit of the doubt from the officials, except in that first game, he just did a miraculous job against Griffin. I think he got frustrated, loved the adjustment that the set made with kind of a lot of times throwing uh, Kyrie out at Blake beyond the arc. The problem with it was that the defense did not come back and recover or help when Blake would get by Kyrie. That was a huge defensive liability sort of concern there in the fourth quarter. I will also say that this team has really, at the beginning of the season, another little progression point, they were giving up so many offensive rebounds. They were just allowing other teams second, third chance opportunities. And it was nice to see them in the last couple of games begin to go get some of them themselves. And I think that was a big difference is when the, when you're struggling offensively, if you can grab that extra shot, it builds momentum and people can get back into their rhythm. But when you don't go get these, go get those after miss shots you can really get into a funk and stay in it totally totally and i and i and i'm not and there's a lot of guys you give credit to for that but i'm gonna give credit to Kyrie irving because i think Kyrie, he's been showing the willingness over the last week to do the dirty dirty work i mean even that last play sure smart was what was in a position where he kind of knocked the ball away but who's first to the ball Kyrie irving you know Number of times Kyrie's poking his head in on offensive re- or defensive rebounding situations or offensive rebounding situations and pokes it back out. We saw that, uh, you know, the other night against, um, let's see, was that the, it was the OKC game, you know, and so if he's doing it, it sets the tone for everybody else. And I, and I feel like, 
you know, when we were going to record the other night and we might before, you know, this offensive explosion, that was my sense was Kyrie's kind of the player of the week to me. And yeah, I don't know if he scored the most points probably after night he has, but I feel like his leadership in doing the other things that aren't Kyrie like, but they're winning basketball type plays. Those are things that are, are contagious. And now you're seeing everybody else is, is also doing that. He was taking those long twos as much as anybody, maybe not as much as Jason, uh, Jason Tatum, but at a pretty high rate. Um, and so now he's kind of, he's now penetrating, creating opportunities to a greater degree than he was early on. And I think those are the things, creating things for other people. That's the type of giving that you have to do in an offense like the Boston Celtics. Now they can get the other guys on board and maybe, you know, we see with Jalen Brown tonight is the first sign of that. We can start to build this. I don't think this is the final roster. I don't think I'm worried about the fact that they were close to Detroit, even though they've somewhat reclaimed their offensive ability. I think we're just going to see them get better and better and more efficient as we get further into this season. Oh, they're clearly just warming up. And I also like the way that they utilized Mook Sr. to mm-hmm. go out on the floor and close out the game. And that that man has been on fire. He's been hot. And he's also playing when he's in that starting lineup a lot less selfishly. When he's out there with the second unit, they're relying on him to manufacture so many points. But it's nice to see him get a little bit more into the flow of the offense. And even defensively, you know, he got up in a couple of guys. He probably could have gotten fouls called against him in the waning minutes of game two against Detroit. But he got away with some of it. It was still light contact, but it was probably more than you would have liked to see. But he's a guy that's garnering respect from the officials. I think defensively, he's stepping up and giving a little more effort when he is playing with that starting lineup because he can. Because not so much as being reliable upon him for the offense production that they need when he's on the second unit. So that's really nice to see too. As a reminder, everybody, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and don't forget to download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. Finally, the YouTube channel YouTube.com slash CLNS media for high definition full-length locker room interviews the garden port the round table the celtic stuff live videos that you've been getting for nearly a year now john let's go to twitter i was really impressed with the response from our twitter uh or the celtics crazy twitter sphere and you got you got a good number of questions i think it's time to dive in yeah, so let's go, let's go right off, of, right off the bat to, uh, Mike Hussey, who, uh, has been a long time listener of the show, uh, college, uh, chum of mine and, uh, overall, uh, quite a guy. Anyway, so he, uh, he asked the question, he says, what's your, and this is from a couple of days ago, what's your take on Kyrie's early decreased production? Does it have to return to last year's level to compete for a championship? What do you think, Justin? Yeah, it definitely needs to come back to last year's level for them to compete for a championship. It doesn't necessarily have to get all the way back to that level for them to win the Eastern Conference. There's enough depth on the team, et cetera, but they're going to need every bone and everybody healthy 
ready to go and on fire. But I also wasn't all that concerned. You could just tell Kyrie wasn't moving around quite as well yet. His handle, his moves, all of that. The shot was going to fall eventually. He just needed to get his legs under him. And then we obviously did see that. Great question, especially right before this most recent game against the Pistons when he lights it up for 30 points, five rebounds, five assists. Or was it 31? I can't remember. There was one more free throw at the end after 31. that stat line. Yeah. Yes, 31. But either way, obviously, he's back now. No need to worry. But to answer the question, the real meat and potatoes of it, yeah, he does. For them to compete for a championship, they're going to need everybody. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, if you want to be specific about the word production, you know, in terms of does he need to take that many shots? Does he? Need, I don't think that's really – it seems to be you know, it's, he needs to play at, at a high level. And he needs to be capable of, capable of that, but I don't know if he has to score 30 points. I think he can get to a point where he's creating and facilitating to a greater degree. I'm not sure if the offense is there yet. I'm not sure if the sharing, if all everyone's operating at, at, at 100%. Uh, I don't think we know that yet. I'm interested to see once Gordon Hayward's two months in. You know, I think that will give us a better sense of, does Kyrie need to score 25 points a night for the Celtics to win a playoff? a series against the Golden State Warriors, or does he need to be capable of putting up 40? Maybe not averaging, but capable of, you know, having that, that, uh, you know, that, that extra oomph behind him if he needs it. I don't know. It, it, it's a good question. Um, well, they're going to need him to be able to take over a game, right? At the end of exactly. the day, there are going to be moments, especially once yep. we get to January, where they're going to need him to do that. We're afraid of it, and I've mentioned that on previous shows, that last season he did a great job of starting out being a distributor and not necessarily taking over every night. But, you know, a stat line like 10 for 16 from the field and 4 for 7 beyond 3, that's about as efficient as it gets. He can score 30 points a night taking that many shots. Uh, this team's going to be in great position. They're going to weather storms like six-minute droughts in the fourth quarter more often than not. But when we get to January, do I want to see it night in and night out? Obviously not. And I don't know that that will happen the same way as it did last year with Hayward Healthy and some of the progression of Tatum in year two, etc. But at I think that they are definitely going to need him, and it could be the difference of about six to eight wins on the season. So it's nice to see him already getting his legs underneath him before we hit that stretch. Totally. No, and and it's somewhat interesting that he got interviewed by Abby Chin uh, at the end of tonight's game or at the end of the, the Pistons game, for those of you watching uh, or listening here on, on Halloween. And uh, he said, you know, I want to shout out to my man Tommy Heinsohn for getting me in shape, which is a shot at Tommy in a way, uh, because Tommy said he wasn't sure that, that Kyrie was actually in shape um, you know, earlier in the year. So, But he wasn't. He wasn't in was game he? shape. He <laughs> or was he just in not, game shape. Or was he not? No, nah, he couldn't timing? be in game shape. Could be in no. shape and not be have the right timing. You know, I, maybe that's being that's that's maybe. Hold on, hold on. It's one thing of saying you're out of shape, Jared Sullinger, versus right. saying he's not in shape. And I don't think he was in game shape fully. And I think it has a lot to do with an abbreviated off season. Yeah. I mean, you're just starting from a completely different point. Before to, before that game last night, or tonight, depending on if you're listening tomorrow morning, <laughs> before that game, I was thinking to myself, why is Hayward so far ahead? And then 
you know, it kind of occurred to me probably somewhere around the end of the first quarter. I was like, Hayward was far ahead because his surgery was so much longer ago. You know, even though his recovery was so much more advanced, he's had more time to, you know, actually be active. Even when he was on that weird machine, I can't remember what it is, the anti-gravity exercise machine, you know, he was working towards being in physical shape. But, you know, Kyrie's surgery was just not that long ago. And we don't know, you know, how much he had to kind of slow that. His his offseason, I think, was probably in many ways, a little bit slower from just an exercise factor, not necessarily mobility, right? Because that lateral Hayward coming back from such a devastating injury and come, getting the lateral and getting back into game shape was longer, but actual, you know, physical conditioning, I think he had a much longer rope to get himself back into game shape, so to speak. It's the pain that he's dealing with. I think Kyrie really did have to get kind of just back up to speed a little bit. You think about it, most of his off seasons, he's working out, he's coming into preseason in a completely different spot. So does that mean he was out of shape? No, I think he was in the best shape he could have been in, but I think he needed a week or two to get himself back into the flow. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Next question. Next question is, is here we go. So this is from at TokenJG. He uh, he says thoughts on Mook being the X factor and should Smart start in favor of Brown? He will have a more defined role uh, to add to to add more defensive impact to the starting lineup. Now this is something that that came up on uh, the Big Three podcast when the Brian Rob, Mike Pina, and Rich Levine do uh, the idea of of taking Brown and sending him to the bench in favor of Smart, not as a demotion per se, but more of a an attempt to try to balance out some of the skill set and and try to maybe have someone more willing to do the dirty work in that starting lineup. So let, maybe um, I don't know if you want to take them all at once, but what what about your your thoughts on? Let's go with the. Smart I'll do the smart. Piece I'll right. do yeah. yeah. I'll do the smart piece. You know, I hadn't really thought about it all that much, but. I love Brown. You know, I love Brown. And I think there's, you know, a development piece and a con. I think on some level, he, I mean, look at the defense on Blake Griffin in game one, right? So th- there's that, but you're not really going to lose an enormous amount defensively bringing in smart. And you can say the size difference to some degree in terms of length, but then you have strength and we know that smart is just as switchable as Brown is because we've seen him cover Porzingis in the post. So we know that that's there. Then I thought about it a little bit more and I'm not sure you want to tinker with it too much when you're trying to develop chemistry and you've got your starting five set, but there is merit to this debate. And the reason there is, is because there's so many offensive weapons and people that can score. You've got to get the ball to Tatum. You've got to get the ball to Horford. You've got to get the ball to Kyrie. And we've seen Kyrie work off ball so much already this year that there is something to be said for putting Marcus Smart in that distributor role offensively because that's an area that he likes to be in. I can see things happening with him in that starting lineup. And I think I'd be even more comfortable with it if I felt like Brown could just be that consistent scorer on that second unit. I'm just not sure he's ready to take the reins. But I would definitely play around with that maybe towards February. I know that people are talking about it now, but I'd almost play with it a little bit towards February because I think Brown – 
is going to eventually really find this comfort zone. And when they're ready to say, okay, you know, Brown is playing within himself. He's finding ways to get to the rim. He's attacking. And I would especially play with it if in that starting lineup, he's not getting the cutters. He's not going back door. He's not getting those back, uh, those baseline, you know, drives and alley-oops. If they're not taking advantage of him like that, I would do it not again as a demotion, but just as a way to mess with it. And also maybe you can build Brown's confidence, making him the lead scorer off the bench. Still a little tough because Mook's not in the starting lineup in that scenario. But I think I can see stretches where they can kind of turn it over to Brown and see if he's really ready to just become a little bit more of an offensive juggernaut. So I think there's merit to it, but I don't think it's how you do. I don't think it's how you roll in the postseason. I think it's more of a strategic thing. It's interesting because you're right. It's kind of a it's a it's a question of of the whole and it is, you know, how does his piece fit into that? There weren't enough people doing the dirty work in that group, you know, and that was, you know, I guess one reason to have a guy like Aaron Baines in there or or smart or somebody who's willing to to mix it up, who doesn't need the shots, who doesn't look to create his own shot necessarily, uh, but obviously would benefit from that. I don't, I agree with you. I don't think Brown's the guy to do the job. I, I don't think that that's, maybe it's something to try. I just remember when he was starting out his first, his rookie year, you know, he kind of first got his hooks into being an NBA player, consistent NBA player by moving into the starting lineup, uh, when Avery Bradley got hurt. I don't think that, I think I would rather keep Jalen Brown in the starting lineup and look to somebody else, uh, like Gordon Hayward, um, and have them sit and have them captain that second unit. I, to me, that makes a lot more sense. Um, and I don't know if you bring Smart in. Right now, Baines is second on the team in win shares for 48. So, and that's... Struggled that's, a little bit tonight, though. I mean, I know he's working that yeah. three. Yeah. But really, in a game where you would have thought that, that that would have been a big difference maker, uh, offensively, you know, he was out there for a good portion of that six minute drought. Yep. And there were any, and, and even defensively, when you were really hoping that he would have an impact on one of the benefits was that Horford could go to Blake, which is a, you know, a good matchup for the Celtics, not a great one, but a limiting one, hopefully. And then Baines is sort of managing Drummond, but Drummond kind of ate Baines's lunch a little bit when um, he really wanted to get into the post and go back, you know, back to the basket. I mean, he, he had a great end of the first half too. I mean, he was, you know, for plus minus lovers. I mean, he was second in the team in plus minus behind only Tatum. You know, but you're right. He was, he was part of that group. And I don't know how I you. I mean, this was exactly the team. Out. This was exactly but, the team that you were advocating for Baines absolutely. in the starting lineup for, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's, I, that's I, the I concern Horford, I have there. I thought Horford actually was, I thought this was probably his worst game of the season. Um, defensively. I mean, yeah. I know he didn't do much offensively, but there's plenty of games where he's going to be like that. But yeah, but, but yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it wasn't, yeah. So you know, I think that 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 Matt, you know, he he didn't show up well. But you know, the idea of, I guess, the question of inserting Brown or, or removing Brown in favor of Smart, I, I see the, the the value in that. But you you need to have somebody who's going to move the ball and facilitate in that second unit. Um, so you're trading one problem probably for another. And you know, as we saw from tonight, I think if Kyrie finds his balance, I think, and there's, and there's penetration into the lane, it's going to create those, those spaces that a guy like Jalen Brown needs to, to have offensive impact. And do you think whether it's back cuts or, or open threes in the corner, 
he he gets that by the ball moving and players moving, and I think to, he can you know be fine with that. So yeah. to your point about that whole you know second unit and keeping Marcus out there for all of that, do you almost think that they would just make a and like they would not stagger the guard rotation that they would yank smart and Kyrie and just insert Terry and Brown for that reason and let Terry kind of run the offense like he did in Kyrie's absence last year. I mean, you almost have to kind of do that rotation that way, right? Yeah. But see the problem. Yeah. And that's the, that's the problem is, you know, Terry really has not done a great job in being that facilitator, you know, putting him next to smart allows, you know, smart to carry a lot of that weight and Terry can really just focus on the scoring end of it. You know, without that, I, yeah, I like keeping those two together because of you know, the size of smart, but also he can facilitate and really smarts the point guard and Terry Rozier is the, is the shooting guard, you know, if you need to, to look at it in that regard. So. I like keeping those. Oh, you're going to A.B. Bradley this. You're going to, you're going to um, old school Justin Poole and A.B. Bradley. He's not a point it. guard. He's a shooting guard. That's great. All right. Um, before we go on, I got to tell everybody about one in 100. Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? Tired of paying all of the inflated markups from brokers or last minute convenience charges just so you end up paying courtside prices for those nosebleed seats? Go to one in 100. Dot com. That's one in one hundred dot zero zero dot co. Feeling lucky? Try it out now. There's no other place online that's doing online raffles to win tickets to events. It's a totally new way to score tickets to your favorite events, music shows, and Boston Celtics tickets, baby. The cost to potentially score these tickets with one in 100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. You can get a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer. Your first raffle ticket is free after you sign up, and the experience of using one in 100 is extremely fun and exciting, from picking your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets. Feeling lucky? Try it. One in one hundred dot co. That's one in one zero zero dot co. And Robinhood, an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. This is a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. I've got friends that have been encouraging me to invest in cryptocurrencies, and now I've finally done it with Robinhood's easy to use app. Other brokerages charge up to ten dollars for every trade, but not Robinhood. They don't charge commission fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks and track track favorite companies with a personalized news feed. Custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners, our listeners, a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio today. Sign up at celticstuff.robinhood.com. That's celticstuff.robinhood.com. All right, John, what's the next question? Let's keep yeah. this let's keep this Twitter train rolling. I know this is great. We really love it. I really uh, appreciate the questions out there. So uh YouTube you know listeners, you get a hold of us on Twitter and and, and ask us these questions. We love we love being able to do it. Uh so the next one uh, comes to us from uh our guy Boobot TV guy. <laughs> uh, who we uh, used to be RJ Hunter fan. Um, he says, do you think Robert Williams, Mr. Boobot, uh, will make an impact on this year's Celtics? Uh, so, 
uh, he also said, sorry for the spelling. I'm a little trashed. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, he's, actually he's kind of camera. like a next generation Scotsman, isn't he? Yeah. He's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. So, and, and of course this is, I think, I don't know if this came after or before, uh, the news about Daniel Tice's injury, which will keep him in a boot for two weeks and, you know, day to day after that. So what do you think? Boo butt. What do you think? The Time Lord, is he going to have an impact? Yeah, I think he's going to get some limited minutes. They definitely want to have him out there. He's gotten more minutes than what I would say some of those other early second rounder, late first round picks of years past. Um, already he got some minutes in the Detroit game, nothing lengthy. And again, I'm sure that that Tice injury has had a little bit of an impact on it. But honestly, I think you know Mike said it best during the broadcast that here's a guy who really has a unique set of uh, skills from an athletic standpoint and shot blocking, shot, shot altering uh, ability. I, I also noticed how they picked out the fact that he got a pass kind of into the, into the, uh, you know, just above the key and he kicked it right back out. That's how he's going to stay out on the floor when he comes out. If he keeps that ball moving, this team is still sticking with the ball a little bit. So to bring out a guy like that, who's there to rebound, he's there to alter some shots. And then every once in a while, get maybe an athletic offensive play. I don't know that he's as polished as he needs to be on offense, other than, you know, a couple of high flying dunks here and there. But, I think that's why you put him out there. Get him used to that speed of the NBA game. Get him used to the size of the players. Like he's been able to dominate on sheer athleticism in the college game to some extent. But in this league, we've got guys that are just way thicker. They can muscle around and he has to learn how to utilize that athleticism. Shot blocking, that's an immediate impact. Every skinny, you know, athletic freak that comes out that has some length is going to be able to alter shots. But in this case, he's got to figure out how to contribute more than that to be able to stay on the floor, especially with the depth and talent on this team. Were this three or four years ago, I think you'd be seeing him getting a good 12 to 14 minutes a night. I like how you say he has uh, a very specific set of skills. <laughs> was that was that was that a Walton? Was that a Bill Walton? What, oh, what was no, that? no, no, no. Very specific Aiken, set of skills. Aiken. Taken. I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, I'm never talking about. Uh, yeah, I know. Liam man. Nielsen. I know who you're talking. Liam Nielsen. I, mean, I know. Come on, but... come on. Yeah. No, I, I, no. I think he's going to play. Um, not a lot, but you saw those those shot blocks he had against the Pistons. I mean, you got to be able to do something with him, but he's very raw. He's very raw. He's got good instincts, and I think you know enough time in the lab, he'll get there. Um, some of those dunks and some of those blocks, I mean, crazy, crazy athleticism, you know, and he just needs to know, you know, it's funny. He's got, uh, you know, his mom apparently giving him hell because he's, he's setting the wrong angle on a lot of those screens. So everyone's watching and he's got to, he's got to, he knows he's got to get his game back, but the time Lord is, uh, is figuring it out, I think. And, and, you know, I, I suspect he's going to be in Portland once Tice comes back. He'll be up and playing in Portland uh, with the Red Claws. You think we're just waiting so, for the season to start up there, huh? Yeah, they just had training camp this past week, so and, and I think they need him. I mean, with with Tice out, I mean, I don't know that Yabu is ahead of him, and I'm, I'm you know I'm not sure really who's ahead of who right now in the pecking order. It may be a a game by game situation, but I think right now I think they need to have the Time Lord on the bench. They're just a little bit thin. 
So, and that's okay. And, and I'm not, I think it might be great. Like you said, get that timing right and then go away from it and, and go in the lab and go play in the, the league and know what you got to shoot for. And then when you come back, you're better prepared with all the injuries and the way that Brad's going to probably keep people uh, very much you know, rested throughout the season. I think he's going to end up playing, you know, 20 games, 20, 30 games this season. And they may have some blowouts too. So I think it'll well, especially if they can get him developed in, you know, the G league fairly quickly. I mean, I, th- I think he's a lot smarter than we expected him to be. That's yep. the other thing. And one of the threats of putting him down into the G League for too long is he's not around that veteran presence. And you remember on the draft night show, it's something that Jeff Goodman said, if I were Danny, I'd put his locker right next to Al Horford. He does need to be around those pros. I am not sure, based on where the question marks are with this guy, that he should spend all that much time in the G League. Enough to build his confidence so that when he comes up, he's playing. But I think he needs to be in this culture and in, in in this locker room. Good point. Good point. Last one. Last one for the night. Our guy, Byron yep. Solomon. Byron, who's who's always great at asking us questions on Twitter, and, and you all can do it too. Very simple. Um, Byron's question, and again, it's one he kind of came back on. He's like, well, maybe it's not necessary now after tonight's game, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, he says, uh, who will be the team's leading scorer? And how much will they average? He says, I'm not sure this is a simple answer. So let's start with who is it going to be and, and kind of, you know, we did a lot of prognostications in terms of MVPs and this and that, but who do you think is the team's leading scorer this season? I mean, I would love to say Tatum just because I feel like I'm rooting for him and he's got that sweet shooting touch. But at the end of the day, uh, as long as Kyrie stays healthy, uh, he's your guy. I, I just don't see, like we just talked about with that game, you know, that stretch of time in January and February when you need a guy to win and just the fact that he is so efficient and they're going to draw attention. Guys like Tatum, when they're shooting well, are going to draw attention away from him, but he's just going to have too many 30 point nights not to lead the team. Do I think he'll average 20? No, I actually think he'll, I think if this team does what it's supposed to do, they're going to spread that ball around like crazy. And he is going to have not, He's not going to have nights like he's had in the last couple of weeks because of performance or, you know, not being in game shape or, you know, just trying to get his groove back. I just think he's going to take a back seat because the team is growing. And I think he's going to do that more, more and more, um, this season than he did last year. But the fact that he can score 30 so easily and when you see these scoring droughts like in the fourth quarter that will still happen the team especially if they're settling for outside shots are just going to have periods where they're not going to be able to get it going and because of that because he leads the team in 30 point scoring nights on the year he ends up edging out i will say though i still think tatum ends up being right behind him as well as hayward kind of in a two three and i can't even predict what order because uh, I know right now Hayward's just getting it going but once he gets it going that's when I think Kyrie kind of takes a little bit of a step back and lets Hayward take on a little bit more of that offensive load and so I kind of feel like it's an 18 you know 16.8 16.8 16.7 kind of Kyrie and then Tatum uh Tatum Hayward I yeah I I think you're right I think they're they're all going to be 
I don't think they will be, I don't think there's going to be a 25 or 24 point score on this team this year. I think they're all going to be around 21, 22, 20 points. I think they will cross over the 20 point threshold. I think Tatum will, I think Tatum will get there, but I think Kyrie is probably going to lead the team this year. Right now, he's at 16.4 points per game after tonight's game. Um, Tatum is, uh, just below that, uh, at 16.1. That's quick math. You're trying to figure that out. Uh, but <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, I think between the two, I think they will get up to the twenties. I think the offense is going to be more potent and I think that they will find a way, but you know, you look at right now, <laughs> the per game numbers, and this is before tonight, 16 I just don't see that sustaining itself, you know. I just I see these this team finding more ways to score, and you know, you look at a team that right now they were um, not scoring at a great rate. I mean, their offensive numbers really poor, <laughs> really, really, really poor. Um, you know, up until this last week, I mean, almost you know historically so. To go from that, they were twenty fifth in the league in points scored up until last night, and they scored six. They've had six games, not great. So I think that they they will be in the top ten by the end of it, and those numbers will largely come from higher uh, scoring averages for those starters. That you couldn't be worse than what those starters have been in early going of this season. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up right now what the average numbers are just as like a baseline, knowing which players are going to trend up. Uh, just to your point, you know, obviously Hayward and, and Kyrie are going to trend up. So I'm going to pull that up, but that was our last question. I know we've got some predictions. So I'm going to pull up these numbers and, and just kind of throw that out there, you know, as we get close to closing out the show. But because we waited until after the Detroit game, we really only have two on deck uh, until our next show. So I wanted to throw this at you. I wanted to throw this at you and say, Milwaukee Pacers, do they keep the winning streak alive? Remember last year how much we just loved to, oh, yeah, 4-0. I was like, John, come on. There's got to be a loss in there, here and there. I was like the 3-1 and guy, and you were the 4-0 guy all year long last year. So, so, but, but this would effectively be, you know, 4-0 over the, the four games. We just saw the outcome of the first two. So do you think, do you think they win, uh, do they beat Milwaukee, which is undefeated as we speak? Yeah, they're they're undefeated. They beat uh, they beat the Raptors on Monday night. That was a, a pretty important win. But the Raptors were without Kawhi. The Bucks were without Giannis. I don't know if Giannis will be cleared and out of the concussion protocol in time for the Celtics game. As much as I think I respect what the Toronto Raptors have, aside from Kawhi. I think the Celtics have a better crew. I think they will put the first L uh, in Milwaukee uh, <laughs> this season. I think they will knock them off of the ranks of the un- of the unbeaten. Uh, I actually do think they'll go two and zero. I mean, I like Indiana, but I just feel like that this is the Celtics finding themselves in this this run right here. It'd be very impressive, very important for them to do, and. I think the Celtics actually are now in a, a place where they're kind of riding high and feeling good about where they are. Milwaukee's going to be a test. They are, you know, the second best defensive right now in the, in the league. Uh, net defensive rating of 898. Celtics are three points better. 
And then, you know, Denver beyond that, Memphis, Utah, Indiana also in the top 10, but they're scoring 112 points a game. Milwaukee scoring 113. The Celtics biggest issue is going to be, can they score points in the Milwaukee Bucks? That's going to be the biggest issue. But if what we saw tonight is, is an example, I think they will be able to. All right, so here's the deal. The last time they faced an undefeated team atop the Eastern Conference, or not atop, but at the, at the top, they beat them two times in a row. So I'm going to go with you on that. I'm going to say they beat <laughs> Milwaukee. They're going to be the uh, the spoilers of the early undefeateds, and they're going to be the ones to hand out the L's. And really, they should be. This Celtics team is the team that is projected to win the Eastern Conference, and this is a chance for them to prove it. And they are just now getting their mojo back. And I think these last two games, even though this second game against Detroit was sort of ugly, I think they continue to make their progress. And Kyrie especially, I think he's ready to take over a game if he has to here and there. I don't expect to see another six-minute offensive drought for quite some time coming up. Um, and I love the way – I love the adjustments that Brad made. That was kind of part of the reason of having Mook out there. And Mook's had – a number of big games already. And so I think that Brad will just make those changes. He won't let it go on that long again in the, in the future. And uh, he's still managing minutes for Hayward, who's, you know, suffering through a little bit of ankle pain, et cetera. So that's going to decrease as the season goes on as well. I would also expect that once they get into their groove, that they're going to be able to rest some of these players, which will also be, you know, really excellent. But this Milwaukee game, this is the one that they really want to put their stamp on it, close the distance between them and first place in the Eastern Conference, and I think they take it. The Pacers game, if they're going to lose one, is actually the one I think they'll lose, maybe a little bit of a letdown against a team that's really scrappy, um, has given, you know, teams a lot of difficulty. I know they gave the Celtics a little bit of difficulty last season as well. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Here's the numbers on just scoring averages to kind of follow up on that previous question. Jason Tatum, 16.6 points per game. Kyrie Irving, 16.4. So I think Kyrie climbs towards that 18 number and Jason holds pretty steady. Um, Mook is third with 14.4, although as touches go Gordon Hayward's way, um, I think that that, that, that number comes down a little bit and goes up for Hayward. And, and I do think maybe I'm pushing it a little bit with 16 just because he's that Swiss army knife and they can plug him in anywhere. But I just think you just can see the touch on his shot. And I just don't think he's quite got it going, but when he does, there are going to be nights when he's maybe not quite Clay Thompsoning the league, but I think he can torch it from beyond the arc once him and Kyrie are really nailing it. And there's just going to be some nights when these guys are on fire and can't miss. And I think Hayward's going to really raise that scoring average when that starts to come all together and gel. So there's, there's the points per game. Any final thoughts before we wrap the show, John? I, I I just really look forward to this week. I think you know, and, and you even look beyond. You got the Nuggets coming up, so you got really three of the the top ten teams coming in here. You can even go back to the the the, the Pistons. I mean, the Celtics really have five really tough games. This is the toughest stretch I believe of the whole season right now. So for the Celtics to get through this right now with you know a, you know a five and two record right now, and and then you know who knows. If they can get to, you know, a ten and ten and five, or um, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood where they've won twice as many as they've lost, 
I've got to feel real good at the end of this month, you know, because this is, this is as tough a schedule they're going to run into. And to play the Nuggets next week, to go to the Pacers at home, to go against Milwaukee, who knows with what's happened with Giannis and these, and, and the previously undefeated, now twice beaten Detroit Pistons. Uh, this actually is, is, is a much tougher run. And, uh, I, I feel good in where we're headed right now. Now let's see if, now that Kyrie's got going, let's see if that can, they can have a little bit more mobility in that offense, create more on a, on a consistent basis, and hopefully then allow everybody uh, to uh, to find themselves offensively and build that on a consistent level. Yep, domination by Thanksgiving. That's my prediction. Bingo. This Bingo. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore at CSL underscore Duke. If you have questions for the show, you can hit us up on Twitter as well. I really enjoyed this mail Twitter mailbag version. We don't do that very often, but wouldn't mind keeping it going. At CSL underscore Tweet Live. That way, John and I both get your questions. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. Remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic stuff live.